Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? People can have this assumption that grief is for a death only, and people might be feeling exhausted or wiped out, and all of the things are happening because it's grief. I think it's being aware of it, but also giving yourself permission and acknowledging that grief can impact you for many different things. Today, we're going to chat about grief and loss. Now, before you turn off thinking, I don't want to start my day hearing about morbid stuff, please hang in there. Death may be the great equaliser, but grief can be completely alienating. While we all know how disorientating mourning can be, nobody really talks about it, as I well know. I'm delighted to be sitting down today with two awesome humans who, after losing their mothers within months of each other, found that how we handle grief leaves a lot to be desired. Finding it helpful to chat about the strange and poignant ways that they were moving forward, Sally Douglas and Imogen Khan created Good Morning, a raw and relatable podcast about grieving, now in its sixth season. It's a chart-topping show and global online community. Who knew so many people wanted to hear about grief? Well, let's be honest, I kind of (laughs) did. Sal and Im have released a book called Good Morning, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss. Sounds weird, but it makes me so happy to know that this topic is getting talked about more openly these days. It's Sal and Im's mission to tackle the topic of grief in a way that isn't all doom and gloom by sharing candid conversations about grief and loss with honesty and humour. They are fabulous women and I'm super excited to sit down with them today. Sally and Imogen, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the One Question Podcast. Thanks for having us, Michelle. It's great to be with you. Good to be here. Yeah, I know. It's so lovely to get you both on the other side of the mic. You are seasoned professionals at this and talk about such interesting stuff. I've been following you for a while. So I'm super excited to get stuck in today. And I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question. But if there is one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Yeah, G-R-I-E-F, grief. That's what we want to talk about today. Yes, it's a um, a topic that the three of us are quite passionate about, which I think makes us a bit weirdo, you know, to seem like weirdos to others. But why is this a topic that you're both so passionate about? Well, we've got first-hand experience of grief. Both of our mums died suddenly three or four years ago now when we were both in our early 30s. And we just noticed that we don't talk about grief as a society. People feel awkward about grief. We're not educated on what grief is or how it impacts us so often we're just completely unprepared for the experience of grief and also unaware of how it you know how it affects every aspect of your life so Im and I are passionate about helping to change the conversation and and help people understand what grief is and how to cope with grief because yeah we've just we've got a long way to go when it comes to grief education and grief support yeah 
I couldn't agree with you more, but I'm curious about why you think that is. So why why are we so bad at it, I guess, in, you know, Western society, as it were? We don't talk about it. And I feel like Sal nailed this once. She was asked this question. I think it was on the Studio 10 and they said, you know, why? And I think because it makes you face your own mortality, right? It makes you look at death and think about death. And like for us in the Western society, that's a really scary thing. We don't deal with death well. We don't talk about it well. Uh, We don't really have many beliefs as to what happens afterwards. So it's really frightening. And I think people think it's contagious. Grief is contagious. So they don't want to like talk about it. Yeah. As well, we just, we're not prepared for it. So we don't get taught about this stuff at school. We've really got no idea until you're thrown in it. You've got no idea how huge it is and how it really can impact everything. So there's, I think there's a few different reasons why we, we suck at it really. And I think the point you said about contagious is um, hilarious because I couldn't agree more. And I remember when I wrote my book about death not being morbid and a number of mates sort of said to me, oh, I don't want to read that because, you know, like I don't want to tempt fate and like I haven't had anyone die in my life. And I was like, what? So, that, I mean, I haven't heard anyone else talk about that as well. But so why, why do people think that it's contagious or what do you want people to understand around like the fact that it's better to talk about it than not talk about it? It's one of those like the elephant in the room. It's the one thing in life we know is going to happen to us. So, you know, how do we combat this? <laughs> what, what, what do you suggest, tell people that they say that stupid comment? But that's the thing, like grief, you know, no one is exempt from grief. We're all 100% going to die. It's really morbid to think about, but <laughs> it's true. And I think if we can just be better at preparing for that or talking about that and supporting one another and not being so afraid to show up for people too, you know. And I think one of the other reasons that people find it difficult to be there is they worry about saying the wrong thing as well. So Sal and I are really passionate about educating people around grief and you know what to say and what not to say and then it's actually it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom and I think you can relate to that Michelle like we grief doesn't have to be this really heavy topic that no one wants to talk about like sometimes it's funny sometimes there's you know there's moments in there that we do want to talk about our people and so yeah we're really passionate about just making the topic more accessible and not so heavy and a bit light-hearted as well. So Sal, tell me some of the things that you do tell people, like because that's a really interesting point. I've got a um, one of my best friends, her father just died, and I literally am leaving after this interview today, driving up north to his funeral. And um, even I, you know, stumble on that and, you know, go, what do I say to her? What are the things, you know, I really have to think about it. So, and we're people that are used to talking about this and are experienced and you know, we talked the last couple of days about her setting up a fund which he had Alzheimer's, so, you know, to support dementia rather than getting the flowers. And I said, because, you know, you get overwhelmed with how many flowers you get and people don't realise that. They think they're doing the right thing. So what are the kind of tips that you give people around the language and the things to say and how to support people that are going through grief? One of the things that people really appreciate when they're going through a loss or a difficult time in general is honesty and real language. I think sometimes we feel this pressure when we're supporting somebody who's going through grief or coping with, you know, a really difficult situation. We might think that we've got to say something profound. We've got to really nail it. We've got to, you know, say something poetic. But actually just being real and being really truthful is much more powerful. And even owning your awkwardness, right? 
sometimes you, even saying like, you know, I, I don't know what to say, but I want you to know that I'm here for you. Or this is really shit. And I'm really sorry that you're going through this. This is my heart hurts for you. You know, just being really honest and open about how you feel and how you want to support them without feeling like you've got to package it up in a way that's like a sympathy card. It can actually be much more comforting to hear people just talk really candidly about what you're going through. And if people do feel awkward about supporting somebody, just own it. Like, just own it. No one's expecting you to kind of ride in and be like this, you know, save the day with some sort of sympathies. It's much better just to be really honest. That's so true. And I, it just takes me back to some of the experiences that I had when I was in the thick of losing, you know, my mum or my dad or the multiple people I have unfortunately lost. And I remember people saying later, oh my God, I just must, I'm so sorry because I said this to you and that time when I rang you and and I was like, I don't even remember. You know, and they'd laboured over that and they'd sweated the fact that they'd said one tiny word that they felt was inconsiderate. And and clearly when you're in, especially doing funeral organisations and all that type of, you know, stuff, you're kind of in a daze is how I'd explain it best. And so this poor people, and I had a number of people sort of say to me, oh, I know I said the wrong thing and I'm so sorry. And But, like, it's okay. I knew that they meant well and they cared and I absolutely didn't remember those kind of elements. I didn't feel that they were, um, you know, heartless at all. So That's the thing. And, and and take the pressure off yourself. And if you do say say something that you think, oh, I'm not sure that hit the mark, don't stress. We all, you know, we're all awkward when it comes to these conversations. Even if you're seasoned, like you were just saying, you know, you're on your way to the funeral and you're feeling a little bit unsure, even though you've been through a lot of grief yourself. Like, we're only human. We all feel that we feel like we missed the mark. But like you say, people who are grieving are so in the thick of it, they're not thinking about the one word that you said. But it can be really good to be mindful of platitudes or saying things like maybe at least or, you know, things that are kind of like broad sweeping statements that can sometimes be minimising for grievers. Like, oh, you know, they're in a better place. Things like that. It's good to be mindful of the language that you use if people are listening and wanting to know how to support because sometimes those kind of statements can feel quite minimising. But I think if you say one word or the other, don't stress. Like you say, it's the, the thick of grief is so all-consuming, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. So, Im, what are some of the examples of things that you say, like Zell started to t- touch on that, about the things that you shouldn't say, you know, to give people a heads up? Because it's good to know that that's a really dumb thing to say if people have not been through this before. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you've said these things that I'm about to say, do not feel bad because I've 100% said them as well. Like even just talking about being awkward, even though we we talk about grief all the time. I had a moment this morning where I was chatting to someone at the daycare and she'd been through loss and I said like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then I'm like, oh, I know some people don't like you saying I'm so sorry because it's like making them feel bad. And then I started getting in my head about it. I'm like, I freaking talk about this every day. So if you're listening, just let yourself off the hook. And it's like, um, I can't imagine is another one. And I said that the other day to someone and I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Why are you saying you can't, I can't imagine, you know, that's like one of the, the grief community's pet peeves. <laughs> like, but you know, we all, we all do it. Yeah, we all do it. So if you are listening, just don't feel bad if you had said these things, but one of the big ones was that our mums wouldn't want us to be sad. 
And that's like, it is really minimizing, like Sal said, because it's like, okay, so should I not be feeling sad because my dead mom wouldn't want me to be feeling sad, but also I'm feeling sad. So now it's making me feel like I'm not allowed to feel sad. So that's a huge one that people often say. And I think it really boils down to, we have this innate uncomfortability with seeing people that we love in pain or seeing them sad. And so we just want to try and fix them, right? We don't want to see them upset. So we say all these things to try and fix them. But the problem is with death, it cannot be fixed. Nothing you can say or do can fix that. So then when we say these platitudes, it just makes the person grieving feel like there's no room for them to be feeling the way that they're feeling. And that's what can leave them feeling really lonely. You know, when someone says to you, your loved one wouldn't want you to be sad and you're like, okay, well, now I'm not allowed to be sad and now I'll have to pretend to be happy to make this person feel more comfortable and then you're left feeling isolated and alone. So that's a biggie that does get thrown around a lot and I think that's probably why it happens because people just hate seeing other people sad but unfortunately grief is something that can't be fixed. And it's okay. I wrote about that in my book around how, you know, I've lived a lot in Italy and Greece and stuff and how... I love the fact that, you know, widow is like they wear black and it's like, I'm shitty. My husband died and I'm going to throw tomatoes at you at the, you know, (laughs) at the the shop because you're being a bitch or whatever, because I'm in black and I'm allowed to grieve. And I was like, wow, like it's actually so powerful versus you'd remember something about your mom and I'd just get really teary. I'm like, it was a beautiful memory. And I was just in that moment or whatever. And then your friends would freak out and go, oh my God, I'm sorry. Did I make you cry? It's okay. Like, it's beautiful. Like, I had forgotten that memory and you helped me remember that. And it's actually a lovely moment. And it's okay for us to show emotion. You know, that whole sense in life that we've got to shut that shit down is why we have all these problems, I reckon. (laughs) You know, because we're like not allowing that kind of grief or anger or sadness or whatever to come out and to get out of our bodies. You know, we're containing that stuff in, which then to me personally, I believe, causes other issues and health problems that we then have down the track. So I'm curious about, do you think we're getting better? You know, the work that you're both doing is amazing. You've just released your new book. So I'd love you to tell us more about that. But, you know, and it's awesome, the work you're doing in this space. And I wish I had something like this when I was going through losing my mum 26 years ago. So thank you both for that. But I'm curious whether you think that people are improving on this and what you're sort of seeing in the last sort of year or so versus three years ago. I do think that we are getting better. There's still a way to go. I think there's a great community on social media, a great grief community. There are more organisations out there, more people doing interesting things. Like you mentioned earlier that you had Danielle from Motherless Daughters on the podcast. You know, there are people doing really interesting things in the space, but I do think we've still got a lot of a way to go. But slowly but surely, and I think it all boils down to people being open to talking about their emotions right? Like being open to face the uncomfortable stuff. I think COVID helped definitely because the world was grieving collectively. And so I think that has made the conversation around what it's like to grieve, what grief is, that has opened up a little bit more, would you say, Im? Absolutely. And just jumping back a little bit to what you just said before, Michelle, which I think is really important, is about the impact of grief and one of the reasons why we talk about it and we think it's super important to make the conversation open and just more accessible is people aren't often aware how grief can impact you and they think it is just sadness 
but it is so much more than that as well. Like you mentioned some of the other emotions that we can feel and how if we're not doing things to express those, it ends up being physical. But like grief itself is so physical. Like it can impact every aspect of your life. Like it can make you just completely wiped out with exhaustion. Um, It can give you major anxiety and panic and fear. It can leave you with brain fog as well. Like it actually can change rewire your brain which a lot of people aren't aware of and so we're all expected to go back to work two days after the funeral or society expects us to go back to normal but it's just not how it works and I think that's one of the reasons why it's so important to have these conversations because we do have a lot of education that still needs to be done. We address that in our book we look at all elements of grief and how it impacts you. So we look at some like myths and misconceptions about grief. And then we look at the emotions, the physical elements of grief, um, how it impacts relationships, friendships, how you can cope with grief at work, how you can keep your loved one's memory alive. And also we have a chapter for people who are supporting someone going through loss. Because like Im said, people don't realise just how grief you know, it seeps into every aspect of your life, which you'll know really well, Michelle. And, you know, it is so physical and people are often surprised at just how much it can just absolutely, all it's all consuming. So our book is very much, we wanted to help continue to open up the conversation because we are getting better at understanding about grief, but there's still a lot to learn and people don't realise all of these elements. So our book is very much a guide on, all the ways that you can cope with the different elements of grief. And it's very digestible, isn't it, Im? It's, we've written in a way, because like Im mentioned, brain fog can be a massive component of grief. When you're really stressed and you're trying to cope with everything, it's often difficult to retain information. So it's very, very digestible and easy to consume, which is super important when you're in the thick of grief. Yeah, and for those, we, me- we keep mentioning the book, but for those that... Um don't know and are interested, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's called Good Morning, as in M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the same as your podcast, which is very clever play on words there, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss. So beautiful that you've put this out into the world. And again, I thank you from someone who has needed something like this in your life. So that's amazing. Um, I'm curious, well, actually, one of the things I wanted to say um, as well in the outset, because we didn't really talk about, you know, we're experts on grief if there are experts, but we're using it a lot in the term of actually loss of a person when you lose someone in your life. But the thing about grief is actually it can be experienced for lots of reasons. You know, you can lose your job and you can grieve over that. You can lose a friend as in like your relationship breakdown or, you know, there are so many ways to experience grief. And I think that people don't realise that also. You know, they might be really sad or going through to your point about emotions and stuff and not realising that is actually grief that they're experiencing. And so your book is fabulous in that regard as well to help people kind of navigate that space, right? Yeah, I mean, grief can be felt for so many different reasons and oftentimes we don't have the term to use for it. You know, people don't think about it like that and they don't connect the dots and especially with COVID, as Sal mentioned as well, like people were grieving for so many things, you know, grieving jobs, grieving just their freedom, being able to go out and do things and grieving the connection, the human connection with people. Like people were grieving on a huge mass level and some people just didn't realise that that's what they were experiencing. So it's really important to, and I think a lot of the topics that we talk about in our book can be carried over to other forms of grief. 
you know, and I think there's lots of different types of grief as well. And one of the big ones that we talk about is disenfranchised grief. So there's type of non-death losses that society don't really acknowledge or accept. And it's super important to educate yourself around that because it happens to a lot of people. And that can be, you know, the loss of a job, the loss of a home. So many other ones. Sal, help me out here. Then loss of, you know, breakdown of a relationship, uh, loss of a friendship, changes to personal finances, changes to your health, uh, loss of health or any changes to your health. Um, So many things. They're also called living losses as well. And I think, again, that's why it's really important, like Im said, to be aware of how grief impacts you because people often think, oh, you know, I'm going through this difficult time. Maybe they've lost their job or they're going through a divorce and they perhaps don't think they've got the right to grieve or that they are even grieving because people can have this assumption that grief is you know, for a death only. And people might be feeling exhausted or wiped out or feeling anxious. And all of the the things are happening because it's grief. So it's, I think it's being aware of it, but also giving yourself permission and acknowledging that grief can impact you for many different things. And, And also anticipatory grief, which is grieving somebody before they pass when you're caring for a loved one at the end of life. That is it's a huge grief. And again, people might not realise that's what they're experiencing. I think quite often in society, because we don't talk about grief, we have this idea that it's just after somebody passes, but it can impact you on so many levels. Yeah, it's so so true. And yeah, it's that I've experienced it. I'd say, you know, grief with a capital G, as in, you know, losing mum, losing dad. And But then, you know, there's little moments of those, you know, micro grief experiences throughout life of different things. And um, you talk about the loss of something. I was thinking, oh, yeah, as I've turned 50, I can talk about lots of loss of things at the moment. (laughs) I'm like, shit's changing. Yeah. (laughs) You you know, we're grieving. Quite funny. Totally. um, we're, We're talking obviously a lot about what it is and the experiences and how to help others. If you're going through it yourself, can you both give me some examples of the things that you you know, use and your your tips and tricks, I guess, if you say in that sense of how you navigate through, you know, different grieving experiences. Definitely. The best advice that I got in the early stages of my mum's loss was go micro. So it just felt absolutely impossible looking into the future without my mum in it. It was just like, how am I supposed to live the rest of my life with her not here? And it just felt impossible. And so the best advice was just don't think about that. Don't think about in the future. Think about what's right in front of me, what's happening in this next moment. Just get through this next moment. And I just kept doing that. And every time I would start to snowball into the future, I'll just pull myself right back and be like, no, Im, right now, look at the wall, count things that are yellow, smell my baby daughter's skin, like anything that was just going to pull me back into the present moment was crucial uh, for me in those early months because it, it feels unsurvivable. It really does. Absolutely. And and for me, mindfulness, meditation, similar to him, trying to ground myself in the moment has been really helpful. And also grief is exhausting. And also when you are, especially in the early days, You've got so much to contend with. You're not only dealing with your grief and the emotions and the physical elements and all of it. Often we're dealing with the estate or some of the practical elements or, you know, managing our relationships with other people who are grieving. And that's when boundaries can be really important. And that's been integral for Im and I in our self-care. Managing your energy, being really conscious to 
what's draining you, how you're looking after yourself, you know, what you're saying yes to, what you're saying no to, because I remember being stretched thin in the early days. I, I had to deal with my mum's estate. I was trying to, you know, manage all of my relationships. I was trying to look after myself. I was working, you know, maintain my marriage, you know, all sorts of things, run, a, run the house, look after my dogs, all the things that add up. And often we're depleted anyway, right? When we're grieving, we're already, our battery's pretty low. So it's just being really conscious of, okay, what can I maybe delegate? What can I take off my plate? You know, where can I put some boundaries? Are there people who are perhaps draining my energy? Are there certain things that, you know, I'm just finding are too confronting for me to do right now? What can I say no to? Or where can I, where can I kind of help myself? I think that's a really important thing. We don't often necessarily think about where boundaries could really help us preserve some of that energy and sense of self. So that's been really crucial for us both. Yeah, some really good points there. And do you think, if you both think back, is there any anything that your mates or friends or families could have done differently? Or I won't say better, but could have done differently that would have supported you, you know, more effectively in that time, do you think? It's a good question. I think Sal and I were pretty lucky. We did have, you know, really supportive friends and family. Um, I think maybe one of the only things that I'd suggest for our friends and family would just be, it's okay to talk about our moms. Like we, I think a lot of the time grievers do want to talk about the person who's died and people who are supporting, if they haven't been through loss, they think that it might remind us that they're dead or trigger us to be upset. But I think we love hearing stories and we love hearing like, yeah, just people sharing their memories and bringing up their names. So I think if you are listening and wanting to know how to support someone, that is a great tip. It's like, you can actually talk about the person who's died. We, we want to keep them alive and keep their memory alive. So, and I think people don't think that. So beautiful, Em. You've just given me permission of a question I had for you both <laughs> because yeah, I feel the same. So I'll start with you, Sal. What is one of the biggest things that you miss about your mom or that you wish she was here to see today? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, what do I miss about her? I think that unconditional like love and support, like she would always just be interested in what was going on in my life and and always checking in and just always there, you know, like unconditionally. I, I really miss that. Um, and what would I tell her? I would tell her that I wrote a book because she knows how much I wanted to write a book and how I love love reading um, and she loved reading too. There's so much I would tell her, but I, I would tell her that it's funny. I remember when, when I got married, her where she walked me down the aisle and her wedding speech was, she said something along the lines of, you always are the only person that can shock me. You always surprise me again and again and again. And, you know, you're always, you're always climbing the next, the next rung and you always never fail to, you know, surprise me in the best possible way. So I guess I'd say, well, guess what, mum? I've su probably surprised you again. You probably surprised yourself a little, huh? Yeah. <laughs> With all the stuff I've never you've done. heard that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And also Sal's mum's last message that she sent her is wild. Like... She sent her the most incredible final message and it was like her wish for Sal for her life and it's like she's fulfilling her mum's wish for her through the work that she's doing with Good Morning. It's just incredible. 
No, of course. Um, so I used to be a hairdresser many, many, many years ago and my mum had sent me an article. Oh, I saw your post yesterday with your funky hairstyles. <laughs> yes, yeah, Matonian guy hair days. <laughs> Definitely could pull it off when I was 16, probably not now, but yeah, I'm glad I went through that phase then. But yes, yeah, so I used to be a hairdresser many, many years ago and my mum sent me an article about a hairdresser who helped people in need by giving them haircuts for free and she said to me, oh, you know, I, I saw this article, I thought of you, you know, I could, I could see you doing something like this hairdresser with your kind heart that helps other people, you know, forgive me, I'm being self-indulgent, but this is my fantasy for you. And that was the last ever message I received from her because she passed away the next morning. So it's really special to have that. It's not the kind of usual message that you would receive, you know, it's, it's very poignant but I'm really grateful that I have that back on and think, yeah, actually, mum, I am, I am fulfilling your wish. Like, it's, yeah, it's very um, bittersweet. Beautiful. Thank you. That, that was just divine. Like, and so lovely. And one of the reasons that I had that as a question was because it's something that I've been trying to encourage people forever is around, you know, just because we've lost them doesn't mean they never existed. And so people would never say, oh, oh I'm sorry, I, di I didn't mean to bring up your mum. I'm like, it's okay. Like my mum was my mum, still is my mum, you know, even though she's passed and gone to another life. And But I still feel her around me. I still talk to her, you know, and I have all these memories of which I, as you have memories as one of my best friends, it's okay to talk about her. So that's a lovely story. So Im, um, can you tell us, uh, you know, what you miss about your mum the most and um, what you wish she knew about you now? Yes. For me, it's always surrounding my daughter. So I have a four-year-old and she was nine months old when mum died and she got to meet her and I have a couple of photos of them together, which I'm really grateful for. But it's just really hard seeing my daughter grow up and mum not being here to witness that. And she just would have loved her so much. Like she's just, yeah, my mum would have absolutely been besotted with her. Well, I know she was already, but as she's growing older, she's just turning into the most beautiful girl. And like, I know my mom would have just loved hanging out with her and making toast and getting cozy in the bed and watching, you know, TV. And she just would have loved all that, all those sorts of things. And it's, that's the most heartbreaking thing for me. And I think that's the thing that I miss the most is getting to see that relationship of Layla with her grandma and she talks about my mum all the time like it's it's wild always talking about grandma so she very much knows her and she has that connection with her but it's just like I bloody wish it was in real life <laughs> I wish it was in real life not just a damn memory but I'm doing my best to kind of keep that that connection with her alive which I think is really important because like you said you know death isn't the end you know that that relationship can carry forward and evolve even we've had people come on our podcast and say like my relationship with my brothers like changed since they've died and I feel like I've resolved all of these things so yeah I think it's it's important to know that death isn't the end of that relationship at all yeah I think and to your point about the reconciliation you know and as I say like I'd, I'd probably talk to my dad more than my mum and um you know, we haven't got time to go through a whole, you know, you've done um, different episodes about this actually. But yeah, so you had an, a podcast where you talked about visitation dreams and um, it was amazing for me because I hadn't actually heard of that term. And so it's lovely to have those kind of memories and when someone comes to you and so we don't have the time to kind of go through all that whole other side of things. But to me, it's really comforting, 
you know, to think and know and, you know, if I'm going through a real challenging problem or, you know, I want my parents' advice on something, I literally either write them a letter or just talk to them, go for a walk and just talk out loud or, you know, (laughs) say, hey, Dad, I need your help on this. And I'm sure people think I'm wacky, but it works for me. And I think that's okay. It's absolutely okay. And you can continue that relationship with them and continue that bond. You know, death doesn't end a relationship. And it's really important for people to know that there are so many ways that you can keep their memory alive and keep that connection alive. And it doesn't have to mean that you can't lean on them for support, even though they're not physically here. Yeah, it's so true. Just beautiful. Ladies, it's been divine, as I knew it would be, to meet you both today and to chat. And uh, thank you again for all the work you're doing in this space to assist and support people on a really tricky topic. And it's something that we all will go through in some form of, in our lives. So it's so such important work and um, just love what you're doing. Thanks, Michelle. And thanks for opening up the arena for these honest conversations. I think the more we have these, the better and the more educated we'll be, we will become. So thank you for the work that you do as well. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. It's been lovely and uh, right back at you. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com. Listener.